And it is Wednesday night, and it is Dr. Simcha. And filling in this week, we have, not a guest, we have NS is here with us. Hello. And I happen to think that uh, we were having discussions, very intelligent intelligent uh, uh, conversations that we're going to have tonight. But uh, how was your week? Good, good. Busy, but good. Okay, very good. Busy is good, because when I'm bored... I'm bored, and and I give you a blessing. That you should never be bored. Amen. You should always be busy with good things. Okay, J Radio is a great thing. J so. Radio is, is is the most unbelievable thing. Yes. My life changed the day I got J Radio. My life changed the day I started working here. That's it. <laughs> See, and it was a friend of mine introduced me to Nisim, and here he's telling me about this guy and and the radio stations. I think I'm going to meet like this huge Rosh Hashiva. I meet this like beautifully humble, beautiful soul, and since then my life has been totally, totally, totally different. We have a caller. We have a caller. I believe. We have a caller. Okay. And the only work. Hello, you are on the air. I guess not. Okay, we had a caller. We had one. You know what? This is a week that, and NS and I were talking about something, and it was something that we were discussing. That people are like making siyumim because they want to eat meat. And they're finding all sorts of ways of getting out of the availus of the, the, the nine days. So Anas was asking me what I thought about that. And, uh, and I, I was saying, like, we, have, we had a base amigdash. We had the opportunity to have Hashem living amongst us and we lost it i really feel that i need to make myself sad about that that's something i really want to be sad about what do you think i agree with you i when i first heard about it my initial reaction was shocked i was shocked but at the end i think the restaurant i don't know the name no one knows the name that's probably a good thing because they ended up backing out they're very smart yeah but even if friends that do it you know something I was I was saying that when my father passed away, someone said, "Come, I'll cheer you up." I didn't want to be cheered up. I don't want to be happy this week. Like even even like to go into like a store, and I had I had a pair of pants that was being fixed. Pick it up. I didn't want to do it this week. I can wait. The, my life is not going to be over if I don't get these pants now. One hundred percent, I agree. And you know what? The other thing is, it says anybody that is mit Abel on Yerushalayim is going to be Zohar to see the Binyan Bayes Shlishi. And That's a good enough reason to wait, I think. I think so, too, <laughs> for sure. But the truth is, if you think about it, where we stand today in the world and the depravity and the horrible place that the world is and how different it was when... There was a central place that even the non-Jews witnessed Hashem. There was a historian, Josephus, and he wrote the War of the Jews, a history of the Jews, something like that. I was like one of these guys that read everything. It's like I had to read it. It's a kosher book, but it's history, and he wrote for the Romans. He wrote about the Avoda and the Beis HaMikdash, and he wrote about the miracles that were unexplainable. This is to the naked eye of a person just what, that Hashem was in our midst, and no one messed with the Jews. Okay, but you know what? But we're in a different day and age nowadays. True, that's what I think probably one of the part of the nine days is, is it's a build up to Tish above, you know, to, I guess, right? sort of appear yourself 100%. for the day. No, since it is harder for us to understand. It is harder for us to understand. It's a build-up for Tisha B'Av, and then Tisha B'Av is, if you think about it, like three weeks later starts Elul. Yes. And Tisha B'Av is a a holiday about taking things for granted. Because when did Tisha B'Av start? When we we cried for nothing, we we Hashem. They said, we, we're not, after the Miraglim came back, we, the B'nai Israel cried. And Hashem said, why are you crying? Like, I mean, hello? I mean, frogs, blood, darkness, uh, uh, kinim, arav, dev, like, you didn't see enough? I mean, 
Hello, I'm better than Penn and Teller. I could do like everything. <laughs> but they cried because they felt so, so weak. And Hashem said, and you know what? There's nothing worse than if you love somebody, you want to give something to somebody, and the person doesn't expect you to give it. They say, like, no, you're not going to give it to me. You're not giving it to me. It's like, why shouldn't I give it to you? I love you. And so we took things for granted. So Elul is about taking nothing for granted. Elul is about understanding. I love Hashem and Hashem loves me. Hello, get it. After thousands of years, we need to figure this one out. That we're the chosen people. That's just the way it is. True. But uh, it's it's a little difficult because um, I like to hear a teenager's point of view. I'm an adult, so being the chosen people means that I feel I'm special. As a teenager, when the whole world is running around doing all sorts of mishugana things, it's not always so convenient to be special. It's it, it's very challenging, and I think that that's we have to give a lot of credit to yeshiva boys and yeshiva girls that walk around with yarmulkes and walk around being from, and, 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 and we can't minimize the challenge. It's, it's a tremendous challenge. If anything, it's growing. It, so. It's definitely growing. It's growing because you know why? Because we have people, we have stations like J-Root Radio that explain things that put it out there in a way that it's understandable. You know something? It's it's like they have, they 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 say that the Honda is the car that sells itself. You don't even have to like advertise it because everybody knows it's a great car. If a Torah is given over in the right way, and mitzvahs are given over in the right way, the way Hashem gives it over to us with love and with the beauty of it. And not with the anger and not with the hate, then what's not to love about Torah and mitzvah? It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when it becomes part of punishment and anger and, and, and then it's a problem. What are the ways to avoid that? Getting into the way, so to say. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can speak for myself sometimes. It's happened, what you said, you know what I mean? So, how do you know, there's a little bit of anger, but then me being me, I'm talking for myself, whatever, I just get picking. Okay, you know what, I'm, this is what I, this, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I'm for sure, I'm sure for some other people, it's more extreme, it's, the reaction. I definitely think so. I think that, I think that we need to like really realize that, that we can't get angry about Torah and mitzvahs. We can't, we can't, we can't. Anger is something I, in my house, okay, never, and I can say never because I don't, I never yell about Torah images. That is the one thing I will never yell about. I might be sad. I'll show that I'm disappointed. I'll be very, very upset. But to yell and to force, because Hashem doesn't do that with okay, me. Okay, to force I understand, but to yell, how else, how else do you get it across? Ah, because down. my no, because my silence. Actually, my son said to me, "Your silence is very loud." Yeah, I could say that too. <laughs> silence is very loud. My father, Allah Shalom, used to look at me, take off his glasses, and he used to give me a look, and I just like I wanted to say like, "Could you please hit me?" It would be much easier. Right. Do we have a caller? Yeah, we have a caller. Okay, hi, you're on the air. How you doing? It's Marsha. Hi, how are you, Maisha? Maisha, that's it. How was your weekend? Oh, Hashem. Oh, you you survived, right? Anyways, I was looking for you in the shul this morning. Uh, I, I, yeah, because somebody came in with, uh, with a very interesting vart, and I I didn't know what to make of it, so I thought, like, uh, I thought you'd be a great guy to talk, but I didn't see someone. I thought you now on there. So okay. So tell me what the vart is. I don't know how much you like it because it, it didn't really make so much. Whatever. All it right. Says, he Try says, me. He says, It says, right? right? That means we less than our simcha. So he says, The real shot is, you type it up like this, Mishinichmas av, Mematim, comma, bisimcha. 
He said, how do we serve Hashem even in all of B'Simcha? Okay. He said, this, it's not the Matim B'Simcha, it's the Matim B'Simcha. It's like a year can never be down. So that's what it means. I, ha- I happen to love the Vort. I happen to love the Vort. You know why? Because because when a person... Oh, we lost him. Okay. For, that, that's a great word. And I want to repeat the word because I think it's I think it's goodness. That it says Mishnechnas of Mimaatim, we minimize Besimcha. And that's exactly what we were just talking about. That we're happy to do what Hashem wants us to do. We're happy to to be mamayit b'simcha, especially in the summer, it's double challenge, especially for people in camp. You know, for sure, they're doing all these fun stuff, and then you know, I remember when I was a camper, the nine days came and it was like all sad and all depressing. sad. But you know something, but 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 now it's it's, you know something, I had experience where I had older people who, they were commanded by their doctor that they had to drink on Tisha B'av. They were commanded by the doctor they had to drink on. Yom Kippur. My own father, he was on chemo, and he had to drink on Yom Kippur. The doctor told him he must. And his hand was shaking. He was shaking. That thought of, but you know what? Then he said, I'm doing what Hashem wants. I'm doing the will of Hashem. And that's that's what I'm going to do. And so when we're mema'et, when we minimize, we minimize B'Simcha because the truth is, first of all, we know the Mashiach's coming. I mean, hello there, Look at the world. I mean, the entire world became brain dead and decided, oh, let's decide to trust Iran. Oh, yeah, because they're like just the most honest people in the world. Actually, like they, I don't know if we could blame the whole world for that. The whole world? I don't uh, know. Some people. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the whole, the, you know what? Whoever it is, but if Congress passes this, I really think that we need to just like flush them all down the toilet. I don't it, listen to news anymore, all this stuff. But this is insane. And so Barack Hussein Obama, gee, that sounds like an ethnic name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does he sound Polish? Maybe he's Slovakian. No, I don't think so. And 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 he's and he's saying, uh, oh, well, very nice. He decided to uh, lower the flags for. the the Marines that were killed in Tennessee. I'm very happy that he broke, woke up and grew a brain. But, but I mean, if it's not an indication that Hashem is running the show, because even if he was a stupid man, there are certain things you don't do. There's certain things you don't do. Like, even if a guy's a mechutzif, you don't slap the Queen of England in the face. Like don't you, sign a deal with the devil. Right. You don't. And try and convince the world that, oh, this is a better thing to do. And he's got a perfect guy to do it. This, this Jim Carrey, who's like, or whatever is it, John Carrey, whatever his name is. The, guy's, the guy looks like a, 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 a Muppet from the Sesame <laughs> Street. And he's married to the heiress of Heinz Ketchup. Okay? In case anybody didn't know, his wife's name is Heinz. Okay. I'm sure they have a lot of ketchup in their dinners, but I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't think we should get too into politics. Nisim uh, doesn't appreciate that, so I think we should go to a text where you're Okay, we have a text. In. My eight-year-old son hates camp. Help. I used to also hate camp until I started liking it. Well, I think that what I would do is, you can't, to hate camp, a whole camp, um, I, I can't... I, you have to find out what about camp they hate. That's what I really want to know. What about camp? What is it about? Is there something specific about camp? Because um, if it's something specific, generally when a kid hates something, it's because they want something else. So the other thing is, um, that's a shame because camp's supposed to be a good thing. It also costs money. So it's kind of like, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of money. And you're sending your kid to camp and they don't like it. Um, you might want to tell your kid that you're busy during the day and you're not home. A lot of times kids think that you're sitting at home and you're playing all day. And they want to be home playing with you. We say, uh, no, we're not here. <laughs> I have my son, he wanted to be home from school. He said, I'll stay home with you. I said, no, you won't. I have to go to work. I thought I was the only one in the world who used to think like that. Oh, no, every kid thinks like that. That's that's standard. And you know what? 
and you have, and we all have all have this fantasy that we're gonna be like paling around with mom and pops because like when the kids are gone, they sit and they pull out the, the Monopoly game or I don't know what, or they sit and they eat a lot of food. I don't know. That's what I used to think. I used to think that my parents used to sit and eat a lot when I was <laughs> I was worried about what I was missing. I, don't, I think hate is a hate is a very strong word. Maybe dislike the hate can't pay it. How? Yeah, I mean, hate is a very very, very, very strong, strong word. word. Um, but you know what? Once a person gets the word hate, then if if you know what, if it's part of a vocabulary, I have certain words I don't I don't really hate anything. Um I don't understand enough about like I I I I, I can't even say I hate Rishaim because I don't understand enough about Rishaim. I feel bad for them. Torah tells us it's supposed to uh, it's supposed to hate Rishaim, but the Chazanish says there's no such thing as a Rasha Vizmanazeh. Because there's no, we don't have any Din Rasha Vizmanazeh. So I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's a little confusing. But I can go over the texture, it should be a little more specific on yeah, what he or she meant. Right, and good luck with camp, because, you know, camp is camp. And, 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 some kids like if it's a sports cap, you know, and and, and, every, and everything's like really, really sports oriented. Maybe that's like, maybe that's part of the problem. But, anyways, someone texted they were very angry when the luggage came in after eleven o'clock on Monday night from a good of Midwest. Well, I was there, and I was happy that the person drove safely and he got there safely. They said to my wife. I'd much rather he get here when he gets here rather than to have a, a God forbid, accident. And so he got there when he got there, and we all sat there very patiently. I thought it was a beautiful thing because you see this huge truck, and just random parents were, like, up there unloading luggage and calling out names. It was, like, pretty pretty, pretty exciting. Only Jews do things like that. Jews do things like that. Yeah, it's Jews, a good thing. Yeah, Jews help each other. It's a really – it is a good thing. You know what? I was once – I was by the public school on Avenue K and East 29th Street. And there it was one of the snowstorms. So there were these two teachers, and their car was stuck. And I'm, like, pretty proud of the fact that, like, I'm a big snow guy. I grew up in Rochester, New York. We had, like, tons of snow. I know how to drive in the snow. So I said, uh, I'll, 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 take, I'll, I'll help you out. I just have to take my kid to school and I'll come back and help you out. So I took my kids to school and sure enough, I came back. So one of the teachers looked at me and said, oh my gosh, you really came back. We thought you were just like, gonna leave. The other teacher said, no, I told you, this neighborhood is the best neighborhood. Everybody helps over here. If you gotta get stuck, you gotta get stuck around here because it's a <laughs> Jewish neighborhood, Jews help. So we got another text. Talking about what kids think. I'm a preschool teacher. By the end of the school year, I asked every kid what mommy does when we're in school. It was so cute to hear the replies. Got some plays with the baby, some cooks and bakes, some goes shopping. They're three years old. I love that. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> the, 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 you know, talking about what kids think, when I was a principal, one of the best, well, that was the best, it was actually quite frightening, Say, why did you? Why did your mother punish you? And the answer that I got from a seven-year-old child was, because my daddy didn't give my mommy money. I said, "What? How does that work?" And they said, "Because my daddy screamed, didn't give my mom, my mommy money, and my money, mommy got very upset, and she screamed at my daddy, and then I spilled my Cheerios, and that's why I got yelled at." And hello, hello, flash red alert, okay? Parents, kids are not stupid, and we need to be careful what we do in front of our kids. And kids, this kid did not register the fact that they spilled their Cheerios and that was wrong. They viewed it very clearly that you were grouchy, and that's why they got yelled at. So it's very important that the kids know what you're doing when they're away at school and um and it's very i i actually um it, actually that that i think it's very important for fathers to tell kids 
what they have to appreciate about their mothers. And I think that mothers should tell kids what they have to appreciate about their fathers. For example, fathers should say, you know, mommy's at home taking care of the house and preparing things and cooking dinner and shopping. And mommy should say, daddy's working so he can bring some home money. Some mommy's work so mommy. and. Right. And some mommy works and mommy, and she prepares the house and she does things. And this way the kids should see, A, that each parent recognizes what the other one's doing. And B, they should learn appreciation. Definitely. And that, that's that's a good thing. So we have something, a question from a teenager. I'm 14 and hate being a counselor. Any ideas? Kids are annoying. Okay. <laughs> 14 years old and being a counselor, I think that's a little too young. I would not make a 14-year-old a counselor. You're probably still means, a kid. He probably means JC or something. Yeah, but he's still a kid. He needs to be having fun. He shouldn't be taking care of other kids. 14? I don't know. What grade are you when you're 14? 14 is like ninth grade. Ninth. That's like that's when you start being a JC. If you stay in the city, you don't go to camp. Yeah, but... but JC is a lot of work. I could tell you. <laughs> so J, but I, I, I hear you. Yeah, JC is a lot of work. I feel this guy's pain. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you that if you're a JC, then you're doing all the grunt work and you get no glory. So that's really what it is. It's a build up to be a counselor. That's I true. started out as a JC. I ended up as a counselor and did nothing. It was great. And Best the, summer of my life. And I need to tell you that whatever you're going to end up doing in life, if it's going to be... I was an intern for many years, and an intern means that I did everybody's work, and I got no credit for it. And I got... And, 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 and I, I wrote my supervisor's reports, and I wrote articles and everything. And whose name went on the report? Not mine. Some of it I'm not so upset about. But um, this is good for myself to learn that you really you, you start at the bottom. You don't start you out have on top. To. You have to. When you start out on top, there's nowhere to go. There's statistics that say that firstborn children of millionaires rarely succeed. Interesting. Because they get everything, Beirusha. Because they get and they just don't take responsibility. They don't have to. What does it say about the youngest? The youngest <laughs> generally gets mo- gets a little bit of everybody. <laughs> I'm a youngest. So am I. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why we connect so well. Because I really get you. But being the youngest is difficult. Because you have a lot of parents when you're the youngest. And everybody's opinion chimes in. Yes. And there were situations in my life where decisions were made about me that my parents didn't even make. And even to what yeshiva I was supposed to go to, it was a good decision. I mean, I'm not upset that my brother made the decision. My parents weren't around to make the decision, and my brother made the decision. But that's kind of like the way it goes. So I don't know if I would trade my position there's too many pros with being the youngest. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I mean, the cons are hard, but you're, you can deal with them, I yeah, guess. We get away depends with it. Depends on the fact. I can only talk for myself. It depends on the family situation, I guess. We get away with a lot more. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, there's no question about it, and because they're just tired already. <laughs> but uh, some of the drawbacks are. I mean, my kids are. My kids never knew my father. So that that that's something that bothers me very much. But. But um, I never really knew my grandfather either. That bothered me a lot too. My father was also the youngest. Really? My mother was also the youngest. Oh wow! Okay, so that that's <laughs> that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's like a bunch of spoiled people. No, <laughs> I my my wife is not the youngest, and and I have I have two youngest. Because my, my youngest are twins. Right, they're twins. I remember right. when they were born. That's right. And you know, it's interesting because my, my... Are they still your screensaver? You got the whole family now. No, I got the whole oh, family. Okay, got the whole family. But uh, I have, I have the, the one above them was a boy, and he was really the youngest for a while. And he still considered himself the youngest twins. boy. Said, okay. So Moshe, who called earlier, is also the youngest. Slap me five. There we I go. can't because you are not here. <laughs> virtual slap me slap five. yourself five okay there we go we're slapped okay that's a, that's a clap a clap you know something I, some people take things literally it's like very funny little children take things literally you cannot be sarcastic with a little kid so my sister was 
a first grade teacher for like 30 years. So every day she says the same thing. Write your name on the paper in English and Hebrew and put it in your folder. And one kid would come and ask her every day the same question. Do I write my name in Hebrew too, Mora? And she'd say, yes, you do. Well, one day she wasn't having the best day. So she said, do I write my name in Hebrew too, Mora? She said, no, Chinese. And the kid bursts out crying. I don't know Chinese. <laughs> she says, oh, no, I traumatized this kid. I was joking. Goes, but I don't know Chinese. Some kids just don't get Jokes. Chinese is a hard language talking about Chinese. Yes, Chinese. What's the, what's the hardest? I don't know. I think Chinese is like one of the hardest. One languages. of the hardest. Yeah. It's impossible. It makes no sense. The, the, the ones who could, you know, write the alphabet. You got to be an artist. And first talent. Of all, first of all, the accent is so impossible to, to understand. And it doesn't sound like there are any words. It's like... It's a, it sounds like they're choking. Right, it does. <laughs> it's all, it's, it sounds like there's like the... Japanese sounds like you just dropped a drawer of silverware. <laughs> but uh, I had a Chinese woman working for me for like four weeks, and I did not understand a word she said. And my partner at the time worked in China, and he he he, he manufactured in China, so he understood her. She could be sitting two feet in front of me. And okay, I say, not really. It sounded like she was like serving me something on the chapanash menu. I don't know, but but you know what? It's interesting though. If you talk about Lushan uh, Kodesh, the it's Lushan Kodesh is really Kodesh. There are certain words. The, the the modern day Hebrew is not really there's Russian no Kodesh. foul word in the true Russian Kodesh. That's right, Someone and even even the unfortunate Israeli uh, uh, invented words they're not foul words. It's the same they're, thing with Yiddish. People think oh, there's, it's not, there's it's no not. bad words. It's, 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 no, it's no bad. And you know something also. Also, the 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 concept of a shorish of a word is it's it's just very very powerful. Like ahava, have, have means to give. So the word ahava, love, is the essence of love is giving. And the way to generate love is by giving, and that's an amazing thing. Shalom, peace, is shalem, is whole. In order to find, and there's so many words like that. Um, that Rabbi Kreiser, as that's how, used to always say, we don't speak Hebrew, we speak Lashen Kodesh. So he used to, at the Merkaz Torah dinner, he used to get up to speak, and he'd say, you'll speak Yiddish? And a lot of the island would say no. He'd say, too bad. <laughs> and he gave his whole speech in Yiddish. He said, Simcha Cohen, you're here? Did you learn Yiddish yet? So the truth is I learned Yiddish. You know, you know Yiddish? Yeah, I know Yiddish. Wow. I'll tell you how I learned Yiddish. I learned Yiddish from Rav Shalom Shachter, and he is the person that taught me what it means to be a Rebbe. This is a huge Gaon, huge Gaon. And I was in his shir, and his shir was in Yiddish. And the shir was on Masechtas Yevamas. Okay, Yuvamis is a hard Masechta. Very hard. And the beginning of Yuvamis, it's about a man gets married, and then he dies, and his, and his brother. So he walked over to me two days after Shir, and he said, Simcha, do you understand the Shir? I said, not really. He goes, what did you understand? I said, a lot of people married, a lot of people died. I said, Chazdegat, <laughs> starved. Chazdegat, starved. said, people are getting married and people are dying. He started laughing. He Every day before the shear, he explained it to me. And every day after the shear, he went over it with me. And that's how I learned Yiddish. Wow. And his dedication was unbelievable. And I also learned Yiddish because my wife's grandmother, may she rest in peace, went through the Holocaust. And I wanted to hear her stories. I'll so tell I, you what's in Yiddish. And she used to tell me them in Yiddish. And I used to listen to them. And I used to... Brush up, and that's how I learned. So important for me to hear that history.
from right. the person that, that that was there, and uh, and that that that's the, it, you know what we we have to like take our lessons and learn from people in our life and places and, and it's not so simple, not so simple. To try to get everything you can out of the elders. That's the right. Stories because everyone moves on, whether we like it or not. That's right. And there's so much, you know what? And we think that we, we, first of all, we think that they don't experience life. And because they're older and because they look like they're, 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 they're out of it, but they went through a lot in life. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. When I was in high school, I had a punishment that I had to go to the nursing home once a week and visit the old people. What, what I did is, uh, whatever, I arranged my class schedule and I kind of like told like a white lie and I bought myself like a whole period of free time where I could like go sunbathe or something on the roof. And my father figured out that I, that I fooled him. So he said I had to pay back the time. So there was two months he said that I needed to go visit the old people. And it started with two months, but I ended up doing it for like a year and a half, and once a week. And it was the most educational experience of my life. Shabbos is a good time, long Shabbos afternoons. I don't know, I'm talking to myself. Yeah, <laughs> I should I really do it. And there's, there's a place right here on Coney Island Avenue. There's, there's a Palm Gardens. There's a terrace something, uh, I don't know. There, there's lot, there are a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of places, and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it makes a huge difference. You know what? When you're consistent also, there was one man that he used to save me his apple every week. I really didn't like apples, but like I once a week, my mother was happy. I had a mushy yellow apple. He used to save me from lunch. He said, it's good to eat an apple. And one week, I didn't come on that day. I came the next day. And don't you know, the apple was there. He said, I saved this apple. And... And he could have eaten it, but no, it's my apple. And consistency is something that's very important. I guess people are probably also, like, I remember, I used to, when I was younger, I used to go with my brother. Remember, I was always, like, scared of all people. I guess, but when you go in, you'll see, they're, they're just, they're, I, don't, I don't know if they're just that fun. They're there to just talk. They have no one to talk to. Right. Who are they going to talk to? Their aide that couldn't really care less about them? You know what I mean? They're, they talk to themselves, and after that, they're just sitting there staring at the wall. Right, it's very sad. TV. It's very sad. It's very sad. And the truth and is, and a lot of them are more on the ball than you think, just because they look like they're out of their And if their you wake minds. them up to, if you you know, I like playing games with old people, like like backgammon or like or checkers or or chess. Just give me an idea. I should bring a backgammon before Shabbos and play backgammon. Yeah, I'm sure they have one there. Probably, but a nursing home for sure they have one. When people hear nursing home, they think that means oh they're out of it. It's not true. No, they're really not. True. They're not. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people get dumped there also because the kids don't want to take care of them more and, often than. Or, or, you know what? It's not fair to say. A lot of times, kids are not equipped to take care of them. It's very hard because, you know what? Imagine the responsibility of having a very ill parent and knowing that you're in charge of their health care. God forbid something goes wrong. It's not so simple. It's really not so simple. Um, I think that, you know, listen, I, I, I don't want to talk, but I think that. Many, many people bring their parents into their into their homes. I the the people that are in the nursing homes that that I go to, um, if they're a lot of a lot of visitors, in other words, if they come from Heimish families, there are a lot of visitors and people. Um, it, you know, it's it's a very hard thing. It's it's a very hard thing. I I just wanted to say that there was this woman that I used to visit in Suffolk, Long Island, just like an hour and a half away. And this was the most interesting woman. I have pictures that I took of her room. Her name was Minnie Diamond. And Minnie Diamond died at 99 years old. She was in this nursing home for 18 years. And her room was her house. And everybody there loved her and everybody took care of her. And she was... So Jewish, and Baruch Hashem, the administrator of nursing home was was from Eid, and she was so upset because like he didn't get, he wasn't able to get her borscht for Pesach, and they brought it to her. But she was she she was just, and it was an amazing thing, how eighteen years. Yeah, what happened was, she told me the story. Her husband was a was a building construction guy, 
And he was a Jew in construction in Long Island. It was a very odd thing. And the people there were anti-Semitic. So they pulled the screws out of the scaffolding, and he fell, and he became a cripple. Wow. So at the time, he had to go in for rehab, and she had no children, so she went into rehab with him. And he was there, and then she ended up there. Oh, very sad. But it's a very sad story. And uh, How long ago was this? It's going back a couple of years? This happened. She died this last year. Actually, she died this last you year. kept up with her all these years. I, 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 I did some work in that nursing home, so I, like, I, oh. I, I would go back to her. And she, she, would, rem- she would remember me, and she'd say, yeah. You, 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 did you think I'd forget you? <laughs> Actually, no. it's funny. I remember when I used to go, like the smile on their faces, like when you walk in. Yeah. It's priceless. There was one time I walked into the nursing home. It's not even such a funny story. And this this cute, adorable woman said, Come ahead. Come ahead. I'm tired again. Come ahead. I come. So she said, Come in into the closet. Come in. And she bit my nose, <laughs> like hard. And the nurse said, Oh, 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 you can't, you can't go close to her because she bites people. Thank you for telling me. I thought like she's going to tell me some like secret. Like, I don't know. She like, really took a, almost took a chunk out of my nose. Like, and what do you do? Like, you like grab her head and pull her off. It's like, not respectful. It's like, hope that she like has wearing a denture or something. I don't know. That's a crazy story. Older but, people are great. I love older people. That's true. That's true. And you know what? I I I happen to I happen to love kids. I think kids are it's hard to say better, but I think kids are better than older people. I think kids I, I think kids are the most miraculous beings in the world because if you if you if you can communicate and relate to a kid with respect, then they really pick it up. They know when you're sincere, and they know when you're not. That could also be a disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, but you know, there's some there, there, there's some principles. There's a principle I know, I know him for a long time. He he's not entirely fond of kids. He's just not. And one kid comes into my office. He's like, he don't like kids. And I'm sitting there biting my tongue, like, so. But you know what? Okay, that's the way it goes. But, uh, oh, we got a new clock. Keeps time. But uh, how we doing? We're doing. We're doing. You know what? The conversation is not heavy. Okay? This week, we're not talking about, like, heavy-duty stuff. Like, like, like you know, when Nisim is here, it gets very heavy. Sometimes too heavy for me. Someone says my son is, is uh, I don't know what it says. Never mind. Uh, one second. The story is not funny, but I can't stop laughing. <laughs> okay. It's very funny. The nursing homes are a scandal for accepting them, seeing the children. Um, I don't get that, but okay. Um, scandal for seeing them, huh? Um, okay, I don't know. I have. I know that I since I started working in nursing homes, I've heard consistently the same thing and maybe 10 times that people have said to me, non-Jewish people, not, it hasn't been better than the Jews came. It's unbelievable. Since the Jews took over, things have not been better. The, and this, the food's better. The treatment's better. It was such a Kiddush Hashem. I told that to one, uh, to one nursing home administrator and he started to cry he said that that i'm glad that they feel that i care because the truth is it's a very hard job it's a very hard job <laughs> but um no it was funny i deserved it i was being punished in a nursing home <laughs> anyways um the 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 truth the, the truth is that um the oh, people. I think, I think I got the question for the text. My son is a JC. He hates it also. As a parent, what can I do? I might be wrong. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, son. as a parent, what can I do? Oh, I get it. You know what that reminds me of? In their Israel, there's a plaque on the wall 
that says, this plaque is in memory of private so-and-so, blah, 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 uh, dog tag number 68, killed in action by his parents. <laughs> it's missing punctuation. It says, private so-and-so killed in action, and then the plaque was donated by his parents, but they didn't put a hyphen or a comma or anything. So the way it reads is that this private was killed in action by his parents. And we used to laugh our heads off, imagining this guy running across the living room and his parents shooting him. So punctuation, my dear friend. Were you the one? I, I heard one time a story from Nary Searle about something about all over my room and oh my sharing, gosh, the toilet paper oh my or something. Gosh, toilet paper, yes. Yes. It was from, well, well, yes, that was me. We're not sharing that story. <laughs> okay. We're not sharing that story. No, we're not. It wasn't a bad story. It was just like a pretty, pretty funny story. It's actually a humiliating story. Can <laughs> we one, share that story? Uh, that's it's up to you. That's one story. Okay, I can't someone, forget. Someone might hear about it and then like come after me. All right, I'll tell the story. This is it. It was a windy night. It was a beautiful windy night. And I was sitting and I was schmoozing with a friend, which is one of the things that I generally do a lot of. And it's late at night. Nothing I saw, everything very nice. We were talking about, about you know, and, and a, a sheet of toilet paper flew out the window and it started dancing in the wind and it looked so beautiful. And we said, that is so amazing. Look at the pattern of the toilet paper and look at the wind. And so before you knew it, we were like throwing toilet paper out the window and we were watching it fly up in the air. And we were just like enjoying this, this miracle of God, how the wind carries stuff up. Well, the next morning we went to Shachar's and there were very angry faces. And the Rosh Hashiva came in and he made an announcement in a schmooze that they are going to catch the people who did this heinous crime of toilet papering Rabbi Ruderman's house. Because all of the toilet paper ended up settling on the Rosh Hashiva's house, on his trees, Tree. on his front lawn, <laughs> and all over. And it looked as if it was a deliberate uh, act of terrorism, when actually it was two retarded ninth graders who were wasting toilet paper. But anyways, Did you ever get that? no. And this is the first. Now I'm coming. I, I guess I'm like coming public come with this. Clean. <laughs> the first time I ever told this in public. So anybody that was in there, you saw at the time that remembered this terrible, terrible tragedy of somebody toilet paper. It was an accident. <laughs> I would have been terrified. <laughs> this is this, this only what you know. It's very, very, very bad when you have a secret and you don't know what it, you, it's very bad and. And when when I was in Rochester, okay, this is another story. I'm coming clean with this one also. All right, it's it's confession night. Unless you mentioned that, NS, you're bringing it all out of me. Uh, there was this there was this kid who used to uh, actually. I went to a day school that had boys and girls. This was a hundred years ago, um, and there was this one girl who was extremely annoying, and she used to annoy me and then run away. And she ran away, and she ran into the girls' bathroom. So I went, and they had sponges that they used to clean the blackboards with. And I took one of those sponges, and I soaked it, and I waited behind the lockers with the intent of, of course, she coming out and me soaking her with the sponge. Now, what happened was there was a woman. We used to rent space from a shul. And the woman who was in charge of the show, who will remain nameless, well, let's call her Mrs. B, was an extremely tough, tough woman. Well, she had to control 400 kids and make sure her building was kept clean. So she was a woman that made, we all, we all ran away from the, the woman. Anyways, so <laughs> the door of the bathroom opens and I impulsively <laughs> beamed the sponge at the door and to my terrible 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 regret I hit Mrs. B square in the face <laughs> I ran so fast and did not stop running I was three <laughs> blocks down at ShopRite and I was still running because I did not know what was going to be now the, 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 the story doesn't end because that night at dinner 
Now, I'm the youngest, so it was just my parents and I. My father is relating to my mother the story about, could you imagine the chutzpah of kids nowadays? Is that believe the story? My father was like the president of the school. He said, some kid to a sopping wet sponge in Mrs. B's face. Did you catch the kid? No, but we will. Don't worry, we will. I lost a lot of weight that month because every <laughs> summer I couldn't eat. I was sitting there. Oh, no, they're going to find out. Well, and it wasn't dying down because, like, I was afraid they're going to bring in, like, the, the, the FBI or the CIA to find out who did this terrible, heinous crime. Meanwhile, you're lucky they didn't have video cameras in the whole way. You're right. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't have instant, they didn't even have, like, still cameras in those days. But the fact is, my biggest fear was that they were going to think it was someone else. And if they thought it was someone else, then I'd have to admit. So, like, I was, I was hoping they weren't going to accuse someone else. Well, thank God it died down. I think some other crisis came. I think someone stole one of the toilets or something. But they, they, it, it, it died down. But fast forward, I'm learning in Israel, and my parents call me up and they say, we sent you a package, and the people are staying in the Plaza Hotel. It's Mr. and Mrs. B. I said, oh. <laughs> Can they leave it at the desk? Do I have to pick it up? And like I went and they actually treated me to dinner. They're very nice people. And the whole time I was eating dinner, I just was imagining like chalk, like chalk water, like dripping off her face. I just couldn't look at her. She says, is, any, is everything okay? Are you feeling okay? It's like, I see I'm not the only one enjoying it. There's a lot of text in this story. I, I just, I really wanted to, I really wanted to confess to her, but I never did. <laughs> she was very old then. I don't think I, I mean. Actually, I, I remember this. This is not a funny story. Actually, when I was in seventh grade, I shouldn't make it sound like I'm so old. But when I was in seventh grade, I was standing in the hallway with, uh, with with a bunch of kids, and someone yelled out a teacher's name. He's like Chaim, and the teacher thought it was me. And Oy. initially, he blamed me. I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't do it. So he's like, oh, whatever. He's like, okay, fine. You know what? I'm telling you, you're going to regret this. The teacher's telling me. Oy, oy. I go home, think nothing happens. All of a sudden, I get a knock at the door. Nine o'clock at night. Who is it? The teacher came down to my house to tell my mother that I screamed out in the hallway his name, which wasn't true. So um, whatever. I went the next day to the yeshiva. When I told my mother I didn't do it. And obviously, you know, I was in seventh and eighth grade. My mother's like, okay, he's probably trying to cover up. You know, which I don't blame her. I would, that was my kid. You know, I would think that too. So what happened was, I know who the kid was said, and I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going through this. I'm not getting suspended. So whatever. I went, I went over to, I remember, I went over to the kid and I said, you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to take me over for this. And whatever. He stood up, and the next night, nine o'clock again, he came in and apologized. So really, if you did something wrong, stand up. It's not. I want you to know something. You're telling an unbelievable story. That that that, and I, I had a case like that when I was principal of a school, and I'll tell you what happened. I. I went to my nephew's chasana, and I saw an ex-student of mine was there, and he was a yeshiva man. And I walked up, I said, I can't, I was, I was like so shocked. I said, it's so nice. This is, Yeshiva King's Bay was not a from school. And I said, he, in turn, he gives a chabura in Lakewood. He turned into big Tom So he says, it's your fault. I said, my fault. I said, Okay. So he reminded me of something, and I didn't remember this exact incident, but the story goes like this, that someone threw food in the dining room, and that was something that I was used to. Certain things, I had very strict rules when I was a principal, what I disciplined for and what I didn't. Throwing food was a bizayon of ochel. It was also an insult to Hashem. And so I would make a spectacle, and I would make the person stand up, and I would say, you threw the food, you embarrassed Hashem's food, you embarrassed it, so you have to suffer the humiliation of going and cleaning it up. So to me, it was so clear that this kid did it. I mean, I was very, very sure of the fact he did it, and I made him stand up and go and clean it up. Around 10 minutes later, when I was in my office, someone came over to me, a real gibor and said it was me. It wasn't him. I felt terrible. So I got the 6th, 7th, 8th grade back together. I disrupted the learning. I brought them back together into the Bet Midrash. And I apologized to him in public. And I gave him a bracha. Because a choshed b'ksherim has to give a bracha. And the bracha I gave him was, he should grow up to be a big Talmud Chacham. He said, and I remember that bracha. So it's because of your bracha. I said, I wish, I wish. But the truth is, for a for a teacher to 
to be able to apologize is a very important that. thing. It's a very important thing. I, 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 it's, it's not something that, that's so simple. And, and teachers are human too. And we need to realize that. And when a teacher realizes that, it teaches the child a very big lesson. We have a call? No, we don't. I had one very, very sad story that happened to me when I was working in, in, in schools that a parent calls me up and tells me the following problem. Her son is nine years old. They're eating dinner. And one of the other kid's parents calls up and says, how's Maishi? She goes, he's okay. Why? Just because all my kid is talking about is the fact that Rebbe beat him up. She goes, well, he didn't mention anything to me. Okay. So I, I, the, the parent says, Maishi, I was school. Fine. Three more calls come in. That means four kids were so disturbed by this masa that they couldn't stop talking about it at dinner. So the mother is a nine-year-old kid. The kid goes to take a shower before he goes to sleep. The mother just happens to make it that she passes by, and she sees he's got black and blue marks on his shoulders. He's got a scratch on his shoulder, and he's got black and blue mark on his, on his side of his body. She asks him, how would you get that? He says, I fell into the locker. So these were very, very good parents who weren't interested in making a, a closing down a school. They weren't interested in a lawsuit. They weren't interested in publicity. They wanted to do what's right for their kid. So they called me. They asked me, what should we do? So I have a very good friend who's a big guy, and I, I said, I want to ask advice. So I asked advice from a very good friend of mine, and we concluded that what the proper thing to do is for the Rebbe to sit down with the kid and to say, Kaas is a very bad midah, and anger is a very bad midah, and everybody's human, and I was nichshol, and I had kaas, and I'm sorry I hurt you, but you shouldn't have done what you did, but my response shouldn't have been to hurt you, and I apologize, and please forgive me, and I promise never to hit you again. I thought that was a very reasonable pshara. Doesn't sound like something that would go so easy nowadays. Well, the Rebbe's answer to me was, he can't do it. See, you can't do it. I can't fly to the moon. I can't grow another elbow. I can't think real hard and pop an eye out of my forehead. Those are things I can't do. Why can't you apologize? He told me, covered Hatoira. I almost exploded. I almost, if I could have fit through the phone wire, I think I would have squeezed my way through to pop out on the other side and smack him in the face. Covered a tyra? There's no greater covered than when a person takes responsibility for what they've done and shows the 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 gavura and the 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 the, the the hero to be a hero and do the right thing. The heroicness? The heroicness, right. The, the heroicosity. Right. I have to take an is, English region this year. I have to learn all these words. Ah. Words. But there's a pshat that says, there's a pshat that says, because Hashem even though we don't deserve it, the Gvura gives us rain. Because it's Gvura. I think all principles should hear this. Well, I've encountered some many very good principles in my days. Some there are some that some that you know at the end of the day, when I was a principal of a school, every teacher and parent teacher at night had to have a picture of their kids in their desk. I made them look at the picture of their children between each parent that came in and realize, you have kids? And these parents, these are the children of these parents. And you have to be sensitive to that. Some principles, you know what? They have a grandfather in clause, you know? There's some people that just, they've been there for so long, so they just like get credentialed in. It's not, that. that's, but I haven't, I think that, I would like to say that the state 
of education today is is better than it's ever been. You have you have schools that are hiring rebbeim that are exemplary, and even if a kid doesn't see it, I've spent hours upon hours upon hours with rebbeim and moras about how to help kids. And you know, just on a on a on a on a sad note, just that the world is buzzing about the death of this young lady who unfortunately the world is choosing to publicize her her life, which is a, it should be a kapara for her neshama, but it bothers me so much. People need to just stop talking. People need to just stop talking. This is not a subject to talk about. You know what? It's like a a diamond from Hashem's crown fell out and got lost. And this neshama was a neshama Yehudi that had a place in Hashem's crown. And it's missing. And it got lost. It doesn't take away from the fact that it was a diamond. This is a beautiful Jewish neshama. And we should all, we should all daven for this neshama. We should all do mitzvot with, for this neshama. Because the pain that she went through and the suffering that she went to, through to have the life that she had, her parents loved her very much. I know firsthand all of the allegations are wrong. Her parents loved her very much. Her parents never rejected her. Her parents never threw her away. It was suggested because she was a different lifestyle that she lived outside of her neighborhood, and she gladly did that. But she had a very strong Kesher with her parents. And for people to now take something like this and create, create a, 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 a political statement, or to, it's wrong. And by the way, the end of the story with the Rebbe and the kid is I told the kid the lesson that I told many, many kids that nobody's perfect and we don't understand Rebbe's Nisayon and it doesn't take away from the fact that you can't do what you did and you have to behave and you have to be respectful. You can't, you can't use this as an excuse to not do the right thing. Wow, time is flying and we have two minutes left and we have a few texts. Oh, we have here. a few texts. Okay. My daughter gets bullied. What should I tell her? You know what? That's a, that's a complicated question because there's so many variables that I need to know. So you could email me at askdrsimcha ask at gmail.com and I'll communicate with you about that. And I'll, I'll give you some details. I'll ask you some questions. Um, because each age has a different message. Um, the main thing you need to tell her is that she should daven for the bully <laughs> because I have Rahmanas on bullies. There, it's very rarely that that a person is so so uh, open to the world that they have problems. And a bully is kind of like walking around with a sign that says, I got problems. I need attention. Please, somebody, pay attention to me. Or I feel so worthless that the only way I can get attention is if I bully people. It's kind of like, will you be my friend? I'll pay you. Yes. Okay. I think that we are over. I actually loved doing the show with Thank NS. You. And I think that me. we should do this again next week. We'll see. If Nisim's not here, then. I think that we'll arrange for Nisim not to be here. Because I think that this was an, a, a, a fa I, I love talking to you. Great, great input, great contribution. Made the, 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 the conversation go in the right direction. And it's really refreshing to hear the perspective of a mature, intelligent teenager. Thank you. Thank you. All okay, right. everybody should have a very, very holy and sanctified Tishavav. And we should we should really... Get the the feeling of the Churban. I go to hear Kinnis by Rabbi Sher, Rabbi Shimshin Sher, and they're the most moving Kinnis and Rabbi Mosh Tovilif also. Unbelievable. But soak it in, take it in. 
This is our time to be sad. This is our time to be Jewish and to to mourn with the Jewish nation. I believe Mashiach is going to come and we're all going to be laughing our heads off, chomping on food, tishabah by day. So how do you like that? Have a good night.